0: We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that that knows every hair on our head, Lord. You know every moment of our day. You know every moment of our tomorrow. Um, But, Lord, you know exactly what's going to be spoken today in this class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just pray, Lord, Father, that we're in perfect alignment with your Holy Spirit and that anything that we um, say or do does not come out of our own. Um, but instead comes out of what you have directed guide us to do and Lord uh, for each heart that is um, Participating Lord Father. We just ask again um, For you to hit the target for you to bring revelation for you to bring healing and for you to bring um, Wholeness to our hearts
1: In Jesus name excellent all right So we've been talking about unhealthy thinking and what that looks like. We've been talking about the ABCDEs of appropriate thinking, where there's an activating event, there's a belief system, and there's consequences that develop as a result of that belief system. Now if we can capture that as Paul says we should, capture every thought, then we can dispute any lies and we can enjoy new consequences. Now, when you hear the word consequences, do you, who are.
0: Is that a positive thing or a negative thing? Yeah.
1: When you hear the word consequences, positive or negative? It can, be both. it can be both. It can be both. It's a very neutral word. It's a very neutral word.
0: But I agree with Johnny. A lot of times people think consequences are negative. Um, to put it in, in alignment with maybe what, uh, maybe what Joe and Leona are going to be teaching. Is consequence not a matter of you reap what you sow? So is sowing a bad thing?
1: So That's generosity, right, yeah. the consequence is God blesses that. God is generous with you. And so there's many different things. And and then we talked about three different uh, thinking styles or thinking patterns. And I want to clarify, you know, we talked about personalizing we talked about magnifying, and we talked about generalizing. And we're going to talk about three more today. But before we do that, I actually want to share something. How many of us have had, and this is an example of polarizing, how many of us have had this experience where your spouse or significant other or somebody in your life has done something, maybe a co-worker, and you look at that and you just shake your head, I'll do it next time. If that's the way you're going to do it, I'll do it next time. Thank you for helping, but I'll just do it myself. That's an example of actually of of a polarizing thought. Now, I I want to distinguish, though, between a behavior pattern and a thought, because there is a difference. The Bible says we're saved. We are no longer sinners, yet we sin. But we're not sinners. But we do sin. We can have bad thoughts without having a thought pattern, a destructive thought pattern. It's important to draw the distinction. Because when we teach, especially if you generalize, what happens is we can teach something and we can say, oh yeah, I'm like that all the time when it's not true. So I know I've had that thought where Gene has done something and it's like, you should have let me do that. And Gene has had that same thought, but we don't exist in that thought pattern. So there's a distinct difference between having a thought and having a thought pattern. And it's important to draw that distinction because when you have a thought that is like that, You ask for forgiveness from God and you ask for forgiveness for that, from that, you know, for that other person as well. But when you have a consistent thought pattern, there's generally something in your life that needs healing because that thought pattern is a coping mechanism for that hurt and for that wound and for that injury. Does that make sense? All right. I just wanted to draw that distinction a little bit. So when you're growing up, we talked about, you know, let's look at our childhood. Um, we have a, it's it's called the high jump syndrome. No matter how high you jump, you have to jump higher. There's always something else to jump. There's other, always another hoop to go through. Is that the best that you can do? You know, my brother was, and I think I mentioned this last week, I get an A minus. My dad said, why didn't you get an A? I, I played tennis in high school. And I, I will share with you that the first, I, I know you probably wouldn't think this of me, but I was cocky. <laughs> Still am. Uh, but I, I just have an attitude. And so what ended up happening was I challenged my buddy on a tennis team to a tennis match. He destroyed me. Destroyed, I didn't know what I was doing, it was pathetic. But from that point forward, every single day, I would practice against a handball court at the high school. I would practice my shot, I would practice my serve, and I would practice, 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 practice. To the point where I played my buddy again after like three to four months. And at least this time it was competitive. He was on the team, I wasn't. At least it was competitive. And my dad, watched, He goes, you know, that's pretty good, but you're no beyond board. It's like there's, there's always that compliment, and then there's that but. There's always that, and then there's that but. And a polarizer lives a life of buts. You could have done better. You could have done this better, and and that's and what's the coping mechanism for that? Well, generally, it's perfectionism.
0: Polarizer is black or white. Yeah. It's everything or it's nothing. You know, it's like you could have you could have had 20 years where you made the most wonderful Thanksgiving meal for all of your in-laws, all of your family but this year you burnt the t- turkey I'm a lousy cook, it's horrible It's. I'll never have my family over again it's... Um, I had an argument with my neighbor I'm never gonna talk to them again you know because and you just shut the door
1: okay and so how do we get out of that how do we get out of that in our relationships because if if we don't get out of that we're going to be doing everything we're going to be so stressed out because we have to do everything because we can't trust anybody else to do it as good as we would so how do we get out of that perfectionism Or is this where we were supposed to tell you? <laughs> David? <laughs> I can tell you the proper way to get out of it, but I can tell you an unhealthy way to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, let's hear that. Because oftentimes we venture into them. Just stop caring. Yeah, that's very unhealthy. But often. That's I find myself through. doing that a lot. Especially relational. No care, no expectation. There I'm never disappointed. And it's always fine. I am a rock. I am a island. island. There you go. Rock never cries, island feels no I
2: think yeah. you can change your perspective on it. Like I used to get frustrated when my husband would keep putting the spatulas where the knives would go, and that just drove me drove me crazy. But
0: then when I thought about it, well at least he's cleaning up the kitchen,
1: you know. <laughs> so now that
0: I see it is, but he's cleaning up the kitchen. I can always just go back and put it back later mm-hmm. if it bothered me that much. Right. I'll give you another thought. You can move the spatulas to where he puts them and put the knives someplace else. But that's no,
1: not
0: the right place to do with the other <laughs> <laughs> The spatulas fly <No>. is <laughs> much bigger <laughs> than a the knife. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say?
2: Because
0: Then
1: it'd be, be just reversed. You'd start putting the knives where the spatulas are now. He's just messing
0: with you. Just messing with you. But when we talk about polarizing, a lot of times it's um, when we talk about polarizing. A lot of times, it's all based on what we believe is right. You know, we were we were asked to teach um, somewhere, and it's like you know, pray about it, and I asked the Lord, and and a word that came to mind is bias, and I think um, it, it fits in well here. Bias is when we have a predisposition to something. We
1: often irrational. But so Go ahead
0: you know it's we favor something and we don't realize that I don't care who you are I don't care what color you are I don't care what economic status you are every single person has some type of uh, bias prejudice stereotype okay Um, you know we're remodeling our kitchen it's like well why are you putting your dishes over there I've had suggestions on where I should put my dishes and stuff like that and Someone else comes in my kitchen, they're going to think, this is crazy. Why did you put this stuff this way? You know, it's just stupid to put your glasses over here and you're, you know. But my bias is I'm working it. You know, I'm working it. It works for me. Um,
2: we all have unconscious
0: bias.
1: We do. Every we single one of us. Every, Every single one of us.
0: What the yep. quote-unquote bait is that the media presents, mm-hmm. the fact is even I, as a reader of the newspaper,
2: or the listener, a watcher of the news, I have my own unconscious biases. <laughs> I, I'm blind to them. Exactly. they're kind of called unconscious bias. Yeah. And so we live in a very, we're, we're, li- we're living in a world today that's baiting all of mm. us. Beating every single one of us at at every
0: turn. And trying to make it so that we're more divisive. Exactly. Because Mm -hmm. that's the enemy's way. And when you come across with a polarizing mindset, it's black or white. It's either right or it's wrong. And recognizing that there's a lot of gray in this world. There's a lot of gray
1: There's actually a lot more gray than there is black and white.
0: You know, um, I used to think that walking in obedience with Christ was like walking a tightrope. You know, and if you do one step on the other side, that's it. You're out. You know, because there's well, right narrows the path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. But I believe God has it more like He's given us a football field. now, we can play center in that football field. And there's a good chance we're not going to go out. But if we keep playing by the sidelines, that's when we're walking the tightrope. Polarizing, we're, we're, we're doing a, a, a balance beam. You know, one wrong step. That's it. We fall, we're gone. But God isn't that. Yeah. We make ourselves the standard. We make ourselves the standard.
1: We do. So, we learned about an unhealthy way, which is not care. No, that's perfectly fine, because we find ourselves especially relational. I think that's a typical way. That's a typical way. I just won't care, no expectations, completely shut down. Especially parents to children, children to parents, but spouse to spouse as well. It, it is very common, and we face it. Here's another example. We've talked about the ten emotional needs in this class. And if if I were to say there there was I still remember one one person saying, "Well, I, ju- I just don't need approval. I'm beyond that. I don't need approval, and I don't need any approval." And I'm beginning to think all of us at some level need some level of approval. Is it possible you don't need approval because you are so tired of not getting it you decide to cut yourself off from? It? Because you never got it, and you needed it, and you never got it, and what ends up happening is I'm never going to get it, polarizer, therefore I'm not going to need it. That's a very polarized. So whenever somebody tries to speak approval into a person's life, they can't receive it at all. That's what ends up happening.
0: If you find yourself with rigid rules, okay, we're going to church. You can't wear ripped jeans. You can't. Okay? It it, it that's just that's irrelevant. It's you know, you, you're not honoring to God. A lot of times, you know, there's good biblical reasons for this, the rules and whatnot, the rigidity that we put in place. Um you may be a polarizer mm-hmm. if you're living by rigid rules. So how do you counteract it? Who made the rules? Who made the rightness? Okay. God didn't tell me to where, to put, where to put my spatulas. God didn't tell me how to load the dishwasher. He didn't? The right way. No, he didn't. Now, there's. I love David and Teresa's example. Um, you know, for years they fought over how to load the dishwasher. Because there's only one right way to how to load the dishwasher.
1: I'm still trying you to know? figure out what that way is
0: <laughs> All right but if you don't load it that way and and I was helping with someone at a party and it was loading the dishwasher and apparently I wrote I loaded it wrong, you know and it's like had to take the stuff out and reload the dishwasher. Um, it, because there's a right way to load the dishwasher. To get them properly
2: cleaned. To get them
0: properly cleaned. You know? If you're living life like that, there's not a lot of freedom. And there's a lot more opportunity for friction. Yeah. So, loading the dishwasher for Dave and Teresa was a clash until she finally realized like you did you know what? He's helping worse comes to worse I can just rewash the dishes later if they don't come clean but he's loading it there is sometimes a more proper way to do something so it's an opportunity for discipleship how many men I'm gonna put you guys on the spot are really comfortable praying out loud with your spouse most men would say yeah it definitely wasn't to begin with but I worked up to it or I'm not comfortable at all okay and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there because in our experience working with couples Mm -hmm. a lot of men have the opinion their wives are just such better prayers, and if I say something out loud and pray out loud, I'm just going to feel stupid or sound stupid.
1: Mm-hmm. All right? Um, yeah. Is that? I know. I felt that way for a long time.
0: You know, um, because I can't be as spiritual as my wife. Polarizing. She's better. I'm not going to measure up. I don't do it instead of, I sound different than my wife. My wife sounds different than my pastor. My pastor sounds different than my neighbor, than my Bible study leader.
1: I remember my family comes from a Roman Catholic background, and I'm I'm, I'm the official funeral pastor in the family, I suppose. I have credentials, so they just assume I'm going to do these things. So my mom passed away we're at the viewing it's the last day so they're used to Roman Catholic prayers where they pray the rosary you know and that same prayer 20 times over and over and over again so but they ronally prayer so I gathered everybody in a circle I didn't do that you know that my 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 idea of the holy spirit when I was growing up was right shoulder left shoulder um <laughs> But I open it up by saying, Father, this sucks. It does. It, it does. To be here, to be there in that moment, you know, with with my mom had passed away, you know, we were really close, and it just hurts. And I open it up, Father, this sucks. And at the same time, you know. And so I prayed, and my oldest brother came up to me, and he goes, you can say that in a prayer? <laughs> and I said, he's my dad. He's heard worse things coming out of my mouth, trust me. And he's not put off by that by that stuff because he knows our emotions, he knows our feelings. And so there is no really right or wrong way. The way we can break free of this, if, if polarizing is something that we find ourselves doing, the biggest antidote to polarizing is gratitude. Being thankful. You know, that's not the way I would have done it. But I really appreciate that. I appreciate that you were willing to come alongside and really help with that because that means more to me than the, than the right way. Because what that meant is Gene took thought of me or I took thought of Gene to want to do something to ease a load, to ease a burden. And that means more to me than, than the than the task itself. It should. It should. If it doesn't, that's where we need to go to God and say, What is the open door? Why is this polarizing thought process in my in my system? Why is this in my head? And and start to receive healing for those parts of our life. Because it exists for a reason.
0: A little bit ago we also talked about living in the moment. Yeah. All right, so if someone is doing something in a particular way that you know isn't the best way, isn't the healthiest way, isn't the most efficient way, right? You guys have had those types of discussions with coworkers or or anything else like that. I know with my kids, I did that a lot. You know, uh, no, you're making the bed wrong. You're cleaning up wrong. Why don't you organize it like that. Why don't you do it like this? Um ask them, why are you going this way? Why are you doing it like that? What's your, you know, what's your thought process behind this this thing? Sometimes, believe it or not, other people's ways may not be the best, but there's something that is developed in that process that they need to go through. Um, Oftentimes, Ron and I will be driving, and he drives different ways than I do. You know, getting to church, getting to here, getting to wherever. And it's like it used to be, why are you driving this way? It's the wrong way to drive. Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you, you know? And now we've gotten into the habit of um, no, I used to tell you basically, you should have gone that way. Mm-hmm. And now I ask, why are you going this way?
1: When you actually have your eyes open. Ooh. Let's be honest, you don't like the way I drive, it, and that's okay.
0: Now, I kind of get car sick, so <laughs> I close the... Yeah, anyway, but it's it's asking why you went this way. And Ron is also actually gotten into the habit of asking me why I'm going this way because sometimes I forget where I'm going and I don't get off the exit. <laughs> Alright, um, so it's it's helpful.
2: Well I'm glad that you brought that up um, about because you know like when you hear certain words like polarizing, sometimes we often think when we hear certain words that it's a bad
1: word.
2: Mm-hmm. But I like how you brought that up about asking God why I'm doing this.
0: It. Yeah. it helps you to go and identify why that thing is happening. Cause I'm a questioner.
2: I mean, my husband was talking yesterday, and for me, I like to ask questions. I like to ask, "Why are you doing this? Or, why are you doing that?" Cause it helps me understand you. I think that's how we can relate better if we begin to start asking those questions. Because that's how I'm learned that way. You know, but, and some of uh, us are different learners. And, so identifying uh, why people do certain things, it helps the person asking.
1: It. it it can. And there is a proper way to ask that why though because if that why why did you do it that way versus I'm just curious why did you do it that way there are many different tones that we can take
0: why in the round world what were you thinking when you did it that way
1: about- wow I just heard my father like in in loud, yeah. What were you thinking? I guess I wasn't. But mm-hmm. and that's that's a, and and that's the system that we can get into. And that's why it's important to ask God, why do I think that way? Why do I respond this way?
0: And if you're dealing with someone in your life that is an all-or-nothing, polarizing type person, it's either, hey, everything is great totally sinks we should get a divorce you know And, and good this day bad that day yeah. gotta understand there's a trauma in their history there's a trauma in their history I don't care if it's at work you know you're the best employee in the world you stink what's your problem you know I, and I know bosses that are like that alright there's a trauma in their history pray for healing for the person Pray for healing, pray for a relation for them. Um go, you know, hey, I'm 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 a little confused because I'm not sure. It seems like sometimes I'm, I'm the best sweetest thing and the other time it's rotten. Is there any middle ground, is it always all or nothing? How can we how can we work this out because I'm not sure where I stand here because I'd like to have a more even relationship. Um, but I'm struggling because I don't know exactly where I stand. Is it literally m- moment to moment or either I'm, I'm doing good things or I'm doing bad things? I, I need to know if there's a middle ground.
1: I'm glad that's being recorded because not at no point did Jean accuse me of anything. She was expressing her own concerns, how she's feeling, how she's responding. And that is actually the appropriate way to deal with someone, a polarizer or anyone actually who has one of these uh, thinking patterns that we've been discussing. How does it cause us to feel?
2: I think a lot of that goes through like the emotional intelligence. because we never really know what somebody else is going through or how
0: they're going to perceive things. And a lot of times I find myself
2: if I go question something, regardless if it's at work home or whatever, Sometimes it comes across as, oh, well, you might have that fight or flight mechanism, right? Because depending on who it is that you're talking to, how they're going to perceive that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, if you ask, sometimes you can be asking if you're very sincere and want to know and have more clarity, but then the other person can be like, oh, you're just picking a fight, right? <laughs> so you can say, oh, forget it, I'm not even going to deal with it. It's like, okay, you got the fight or flight.
0: It's a very, very, very valid point. Um, Generally, in a marriage relation specifically, but in all relationships, I believe God allows us to interact with one another to refine us. The marriage relationship specifically, as pastors mentioned, we've mentioned before, is meant for refinement. Therefore, oftentimes, I'm going to, how do I word this? The the defunction, dysfunctional patterns that we have taken on in life push the other person's button so that my my need to do this uh to, to to talk it all out and to um to be able to get my answers the way that I approach it seems harsh to him. He gets defensive which pushes my buttons which Pushes his buttons, and until we put ourselves down and say, Okay, Lord, this is a goodwill person. I'm a goodwill person. I'm going to hear him out in spite of my first responses to defend myself or to whatever. Um, we will continue in that unhealthy. So, like what you were sharing, he um, like is we need to make ourselves vulnerable to share and we need to be able to say I'm asking why not to start a fight, not to uh, push your buttons, um, but to come to a true understanding. So how do we talk about the talking before we get to this pattern of I'm asking you why and you're thinking I'm starting a fight, I'm not starting a fight But to actually ask, how can I ask, if we find ourselves in this relational pattern of pushing each other's buttons, how can I ask without pushing your buttons? Does that make sense? Not talking about the button pushing or even asking why, but just again, communicating not about a specific issue, but how are we going to present this stuff without causing additional conflict.
1: And it's important to have those, it's like a fire drill. So when this happens, how are we going to talk to one another? How, how, how can I approach you? So, and, and this is a beautiful thing. If Jean tells me how I can approach her in a conflict, and if I approach her that way, in a way that she said I could, then chances, there's two things that can happen. One, Jean can receive that, and generally, it receives it well because it's like, I gave you permission to do it this way. And if she says, and if she blows up at me, I, you know, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. I'm presenting it in a way, it's on you at this point. And the same thing, I have to take responsibility for that because if I tell Jean, okay, when this happens, approach me this way, and she approaches me that way, that Holy Spirit is on this shoulder, and that Holy Spirit is on this shoulder, saying, "You told her." So, whatever you're feeling, I suggest you quench that right now and respond appropriately, because you gave her permission, and that's the important thing. Because what? If, let's face it, Pastor asked, "How many men read Ephesians?" Right. In, uh, in all the services and he didn't get many hands raised because God shows up on Sunday for most married couples but God has to be at the core of this
0: God has to show up on Monday, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday
1: 24/7. Saturday my responsibility is first to God and because my responsibility is first to God that's what makes this work
0: and that's what makes the outside relationships work too You know it's it's I had to change my password at work um, to 12 characters or more okay Mm -hmm. yeah exactly all right fortunately I didn't necessarily have to wait until um, special things but I put a message that helps me refocus on Christ and the dozen times that I have to enter in my password every day I'm reaffirming that message. My, Ron has a pattern, when he was at ATF, he had to change all of his passwords and he couldn't use the password. He couldn't use the same password for two like different that.
1: programs, and I had 20 different programs it seemed like, yeah, that's an exaggeration. And
0: you can't use the past 10 passwords. Right. You use, yeah.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use your name. can't use your name, <laughs> okay. but so. it was great for memory versus memorization. Because what I did is I took a book of the Bible, yeah. where I wanted to memorize a verse, and I took out all the vowels, and I made them all caps. So Genesis would be G-N-S. Then the pound sign, the verse number, and then in lowercase, the first several letters of that verse. So every time I'm typing in that password, I'm, I'm saying a verse.
0: You know, there's ways to bring focus to God's word every single day that we don't take a lot of advantages of. Um devotional time, Bible reading absolutely must. A lot of times it's like, Okay, I start, this is my hour, I got the devotional time, now I go in the car and now I go to life. And in the midst of the busyness of the day, um We need a remembrance on how to bring it back to God, you know, and passwords are one thing that we're trying, (laughs) okay, lots of different things, but with the polarizing, any of these unhealthy um, methods of self-talk, it's so important to keep coming back to, okay, Lord, who am I, who are you, and who is the other person in you?
1: If we can get that focus, Lord help me to see Jean's heart the way you're seeing it today. If that's my prayer in the morning, it's going to be a good day.
0: The whole day's ruined because the car wouldn't start this morning. Lord, my plans are now not the same plans because the car wouldn't start and I can't do what we were planning on doing. So what do you have in store for me today? Is the whole day ruined? No, your expectations are going to be changed for the day. And you may have a little bit of a financial outlay to, you know, fix the car or it might be delayed or whatever. But it's your choice whether or not that whole day is ruined. All right, with polarizing. Um, The last two are similar. Um, If I'm correct, give me a... I know, it's not... what.
1: I Actually, turned to that one. Thank you. You're welcome. Babe. You
0: turned it, and I didn't see it. They're not um, emotional reasoning. You guys ever emotionally reason? Emotional reasoning is to associate truth and fact with the feelings that I feel. Pastor talked about it today. I don't feel like you love me.
1: Therefore, I don't. Therefore, he doesn't.
0: I don't feel. So however I feel, God's not close to me because I don't feel his presence. You know, I used to um, pray for a while, and it was kind of this weird thing, and it's going to sound weird. I know I'm weird, but it's okay. Um, But I used to, like, see Christ's face, and sometimes he would be a distance off, and sometimes he'd be really close. And then I went through a season where I didn't see him at all. And it's like, okay, well Lord, you're just you're just not here, you know? You're just not here because I'm not seeing you. And then he told me, Hug someone. So I hugged Ron, okay. Guess what? When I'm hugging Ron, I don't see him. I don't see him. So even though I didn't feel God's presence, that's actually when he was closest to me. Yes,
2: sir. Yeah, um, I like that. And I like, kind of like how the pastor said. I kind of live my life like, uh, well, I try, like, my feelings can betray me based on past experience, so I try to be as objective as possible. But when it comes to relationships, uh, that's really difficult because uh, what we hear is that God gave us feelings for a reason. Mm-hmm. But to myself, we can't. I can't make decisions based on feelings every time or every single. Uh, every decision can't be made based on feelings. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. as a man, like I struggle with, with being objective because I, I know I need to be objective, but in relationships, it's like trying to have that sense of balance. Sometimes.
1: There's, there's, a, there's a difference. I teach on bias, I teach on subjectivity, and I teach on objectivity. So I do this whole series. There's a difference between responding according to feelings and being objective. Because being objective can almost have the sense of being dispassionate. It's just got to be a decision and I can't get my feelings involved. Well, feelings can not be involved in decision-making. But what we have to do is we have to recognize a proper place for that. Feelings have to be subjected to truth. Feelings have to be subjective, subjected to truth. And so it's not because we can go on the other end and be dispassionate about something. And it's like, you know, I'm going to make this decision. And basically what comes out come hell or high water, because it's going to go through without care for another person's feelings or, or, or stuff like that. When that's not completely true, and I'm not sure, I I don't think you were saying that, but because so many different words have so many different meanings to people. But.
2: No, but that's great because there's so much nuance in this topic, right? Yeah. Working with feelings. Especially when you're dealing with family. Yeah. um, Or a relationship. So, not to to come up as being, uh, like you said, is totally objective of being like unfeeling. Yeah. But the other thing I always try to ask is can I be wrong? Or can we be wrong? So sometimes like I think you said earlier, feelings and you know, something. Like sometimes your feelings you feel like they're so true. I mean, they're so right. But our feelings are not always right. Exactly. So that's where the balance
0: has anyone felt alone in the middle of a crowded room? all the time. So why are you feeling the way you're feeling? You're feeling the way you're feeling because of a particular thought pattern. Because logic says, I am not alone. But our feelings say we are. So why did we feel that way? And really, are we feeling that way because we're alone? Or are we feeling that way because... We haven't made ourselves vulnerable to other individuals. Are we feeling that way because we've been hurt, which is often the case? Um, I feel alone, and therefore I am pointing out that, you know what, Victoria walked in the room and she didn't say hello to me, you know? <laughs> well, no, actually you did, but we were up here in the middle of teaching. Okay, but I leave that part out. I leave that part out to justify my feeling alone and feeling offended. Okay.
2: I just... It's, it's,
0: it's, when we're, when we live, again, like Ron said earlier... Having one or two of this um, emotional reasoning, we all do it to some level, but if we've got a consistent pattern of emotional reasoning, then we're constantly, very frequently um, justifying our negative emotional response by...
1: You will always find evidence for something you want to believe. Yes. You will always find, and I don't like making always or never statements. Trust me on this one. You will always find evidence for what you want to believe. You may have to dig hard for it, but you will find that evidence. One of the things that helps combat this emotional reasoning is when you say, I feel something. You know, I just feel like you don't love me. If if I can put the word that or like, after the word, you know, I feel like I feel that. That that's not a feeling. That's a thought. Right.
2: That's the culture today. Everybody saying, "I feel
1: like you." Yeah, you that is. Right, that's a I feel like you, that's a thought, and it's yeah. important to remember we have to capture our thoughts. We have to we have to we have to rein in our feelings sometimes. But God gives us feelings. Feelings are the result of something. But we have to rein in those thoughts. So whenever, if you're saying, I feel that, I hope the Holy Spirit prompts you, that's not a feeling, that's a thought. Now you may be feeling something as a result of that thought. That's legitimate. But oftentimes that thought is not legitimate. And
2: the struggle comes with changing that mind. Uh-huh.
0: And changing the mindset is literally taking captive every thought yeah. and it's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You renew your mind by putting a different script in there. Alright? Um, I don't think you love me. Okay? I don't think you love me. Versus I feel unloved right now. Real different statement. My feelings haven't changed. I'm not feeling accepted, approved, whatever I want to put into that love category. If I said to Ron, I don't feel like you love me.
1: I can see the wall building and I can feel the shield coming.
0: And I know the defense is going to start flying. What do you mean I don't love you? I just gave you flowers, I cleaned the bathroom, I told you. Okay.
2: I like this statement because there's no uh, there's no doubt. You say, I don't think you love me. I don't feel like you love me. Um, my question would be like, could you be wrong? <laughs> right? <laughs> now, the other one for you know, could that be untrue? But the other statement you made was, I feel like, I, or I feel unloved. See, now that's a different statement, so the, the response would be very good.
0: Yeah. The response would be...
1: Okay, what can I do? How can I, you know, what I to do to, the shield's gone. The sh- there is no shield. The wall, there may be a small wall there, but it's not high. And we're willing to step over that to come into a situation. Because if I truly do love Jean, then I'm going to want to know why she feels unloved. And I'm going to make myself vulnerable for that. And could it be if you guys have two definition of
2: love? Because for you, it's action. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this and for her is, but you're not telling me. I want to hear it. And then it may be the opposite of her. I know
0: you're telling me all day long, but I want to see it. The phrasing makes a big difference, but even even at work. You're not listening to me right now. Just be quiet and listen to me. Versus, I'm really feeling unheard right now. I'm feeling unheard. The response to those manners of presenting something are usually different. No one can say no you're not feeling unheard whereas you're not listening to yes I am listening to you, you just... Alright, so the way that we present things makes a huge difference on how they're received and how we can work it out. And when you're doing emotional reasoning you're generally replacing thoughts with feeling i feel that i and it's actually a thought because you can add that that or like
1: so you know we talked uh, you mentioned emotional intelligence i like to think that this cl- in, entire class is about teaching emotional intelligence emotional iq throughout this entire series since february throughout this entire series we've been stressing vulnerability transparency and gratitude those are the three keys to a healthy relationship, any healthy relationship. And I'm not being 100% transparent with my boss at work. Well, even though I'm now my boss at work, uh, I can, I'll be transparent with myself. But if I was working, I'm not going to share with them the intimate details of my life. There are boundaries that I have with certain individuals with respect to transparency. And, but I will be authentic, authentic, authentic with them but I may not reveal everything to them. But I, if I want this relationship to thrive, I have to be prepared to be vulnerable even when I don't feel like it. I shared many years ago in Room 105, if I lived life according to my feelings, I'd be without a job, without a car, without a home, and my kids would have been sold on Craigslist and I'd be divorced. <laughs> because at some point I felt like doing all, all five. But I don't live life according to my feelings. I live my life according to God's Word. At least I try to. And I'm not being a hypocrite when I do that. So just because I act in... If I'm feeling angry and I choose not to be angry, guess what, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm a child of God. And I just made a choice.
0: So we saved the most common to last. Not necessarily the no. most common.
1: Um, but it doesn't matter anyway, so.
0: It really doesn't matter because it's the last one, you know, so it's not that big of a deal. What
1: you do know? you think we're talking about? We're talking about minimizing. It's all right. It doesn't matter. It's fine.
0: A big chunk of our heart just got pulled because we didn't get the promotion because we had a financial setback, because our expectations were broken. But, you know, it's okay. God is good and we'll get through it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, God is good.
0: Is there truth in that statement?
1: God is good, right? There is truth there.
0: Okay, but when there is something that is disappointed or disappointing, it's okay to be emotionally disappointed. It's okay to cry. It's okay to say, "That, that sucks." Okay, um, many people will disagree with the word that I just used. So you can use a different word. Okay, that really stinks. <laughs> All right, that's horrible. It wasn't the best. Okay, um, you know, and and I understand, and I apologize if anyone is offended that we used that word. Um, But the truth of the matter is um, minimizing, I think, can be some of the most hurtful things to us because what it does is it denies our humanity. It denies that in this world we will have suffering, and it denies the fact that it's through our suffering when we're mourning that we can be comforted. It, it separates us from fellowship. Minimizing is taking something that
1: Break. has... It's taking something that literally breaks God's heart and you saying, "Oh, it didn't really matter anyway.
0: I just got cursed at, but, you know, dressed down, ripped to shreds but that person's not a Christian, so I'm okay with it. It's like, no, that hurt. That hurt. It was unfair. It was unjust. Um,
1: and God doesn't want us to minimize it because that's why Christ died on the cross. If God was okay with minimizing things, there would have been no need for Christ on the cross. That's the truth of the matter. One of the reasons Christ died on that cross was so that we wouldn't have to minimize things. And we could use those things to build our confidence and our faith in Christ and in our Father and the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful. I I reached out to somebody in the Bahamas because I've been working there, and obviously they just got ransacked with Hurricane Dorian. So I was concerned about my new friends, so I reached out to one of them. And... uh, the island where I'm at and where they're at, it was almost untouched, really. Ironically, was almost untouched. Now the Bahamas stretch, stretches out for a couple hundred miles. The island itself, the it's islands.
0: Multiple islands.
1: Multiple islands. What I appreciate was that she did not minimize the pain and the anguish she felt. She said, we're okay. It's just a hard time for us as a nation. And she was willing to take that. She didn't say, you know, we're okay. There's, How many of us have ever said this? It's okay. There's a, a lot more people, a lot worse off than I am. That's minimizing.
0: It may be true.
1: It may be true.
0: But your pain and what you're going through is legit. is legit.
1: And it's there to be comforted. And God wants to be there to comfort that pain
0: if it continues to be the center of your world, and I can't believe that I didn't get that promotion, I can't believe that they thought me like that, I'm just totally devastated. Now you're maximizing, which is what we talked about last week. Okay? So we're not telling you to maximize the pain. We're telling you to recognize it. Recognize it and walk through the process of of mourning, of grieving, of of hurting through that disappointment, um, not focusing on the disappointment, is the way to get rid of
1: minimizing. Yeah. All right. Any questions, comments, side, or remarks? Steve.
2: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up. <clears throat> I don't know about anybody else in here. I'm sure a couple guys and some women have dealt with it, but my dad fought in World War II. And he's telling me, if you cry, that I'd be punished Because men don't cry. That's how I'm doing. And my dad was a good dad. He's a warrior. But because of that, I would never show my emotions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm glad you talked about
1: it. Very good. Thank yeah. you for sharing that, Steve. No, I appreciate it. It's a big deal.
0: It, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And you're right. There's lots of people. You know, where showing your emotion, showing your disappointment, even showing your excitement can be a bad thing. But when you look through and you see the emotions that Christ himself showed, um, he did everything in balance. And he did it the way that we are created to do it. Um, He asked people to comfort. Come on, guys, I really need you to stay awake with me. I need some support right now, you know.
1: And it wasn't forthcoming.
0: And it wasn't forthcoming.
1: All right. Thank you, Steve. Anybody else? We close out in
2: prayer. We just pray for my brother. My sister just sent me text that he was taken to emergency short
1: shortness of breath. Your brother? A chest pain. Very good.
0: Lord, we um, we thank you, Lord, because we are in a community that um, we can freely ask uh, of you, Lord, for healing powers. <laughs> We ask, Lord, for peace and provision. We ask, Lord Father, for um, breath of life in Elaine's brother that, Lord, um, even right now as we're praying, Lord Father, um, as he's being taken to the hospital, all of a sudden, his breath just comes back to normal, Lord Father. Um, And it's like, wait, wait, I don't know what happened, but um, I just felt the touch from the Lord. Um, but if that's not to be, Lord, with that divine healing, then we ask for direction of um, the the medical staff, Lord Father, uh, that there's a quick um, diagnosis, a quick um, uh prognosis um, and medication, Lord, that cures the issue. We ask for peace that passes understanding to the family members, Lord Father, and provision of finances. But, Lord, we also know that there's so many others in here that have relatives and friends and coworkers um, that are also dealing with so many serious illnesses. It seems to be a a very large season. Lord, we just ask through all of these trials and hardships that you use them to bring all closer to Mm -hmm. you. That, Lord, through these circumstances, we can understand um, the power that you have, the power and the love that you flow through to us. And, Lord, um, show us who we are in these circumstances as well. And if there be anything um, in error with our thinking, Lord, bring it into alignment so yes, that Lord. we can worship you and give you the glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Love you guys very much.